The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. We are proud to say that Bet DSI have rejoined us once again as one of our keynote sponsors on Three Yards Per Carry. We welcome them and we welcome you to join up with them. The NFL season obviously kicks off on the weekend. The college football season has just got underway, but it's not just limited to football. There are a myriad of other sports out there that you could bet on. There's entertainment things, there's politics things at betdsi.com. They have a great app. I've used it myself. I know the boys have used it too. They have a great mobile interface. And you know, this year, you can get a 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. That's a 101% match bonus on your first deposit of up to $1,000. Use the code YARDS101. As always, YARDS101. Bet DSI for all of your betting needs and other ones that you probably didn't even know existed. YARDS101 with Bet DSI. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. This is your, your snack size edition of Three Yards Per Carry after we gave you... Vegan. The, yeah, this is the vegan version, okay? There is no Simon Clancy, as he has a 5 a.m. to Norway which means that he's on a plane in about four hours, okay? But I do have Chris Kaufman here, who happens to – I don't know if you would call him a Desmond Ritter's sponsor, but maybe his agent, maybe his manager? Press agent, maybe? Not true. Not true? But Terrible his mom lies. is following you on Twitter now, all, all of a sudden. All yeah, De- just, because, just because Desmond's mom and I you know, have, a, have a Twitter thing going on. Yeah. Um, which, which is to say she follows me. Uh-huh. But that's, that's neither here nor there. That's profe- strictly a professional relationship. Well, the Dolphins happen to use a second-round pick on Desmond Ritter. I think you're in. Like, you know, you got all the exclusivities. We should I, have I think, Desmond Ritter on the podcast. I think when day. a season is over, I'm going to slide up into our DMs and, like, be like, you know, hey, what's he, what's he thinking about whether, you know, he's, he's going to come out? Or is he? Yeah. Is he right. going to go back to school? Maybe See, the, make, the, the, make the announcement on, on the podcast. The reason that, that she did this, I'm, I'm sure, is because I went on a – well, I've gone on several Twitter rants about um, Desmond Ritter because he started the season as my number five eligible quarterback in, in all of college football um, behind guys that you know, you know, like, um, like Tua and, and um, Jordan Love and Justin Herbert and Jake Fromm. Uh, so he was, he was very high up for me uh, and nobody knows who the kid is. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I put him up there and like, everybody's like, who, you know, so um, he's, he's the quarterback of Cincinnati Bearcats. Are they the Bearcats? Are they? Yeah, they're the Bearcats. They're the Bearcats. Um, it's weird. Um, but yeah, he's just a quarterback at the Cincinnati Bearcats. If he came out, the reason that he would be interesting is because he's got one of the few, like, there isn't that much running skill set in this draft. I mean, I know that we we kind of go back and forth and 
and Simon has an issue with when I point this out because he thinks that Joe Burrow is a is a runner, is a, is an athlete, is a you know a very good scrambling quarterback. I think he's like a Ryan Fitzpatrick scrambler personally. I don't think he's you know like a an opportunity like a Kyler Murray like a Kyler Murray or a uh, or a Russell Wilson scrambler or certainly Ryan Tannehill ish. Yeah, well, yeah, actually. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of that kind of fits because Ryan Tannehill wasn't like elusive so much as he was like he straight line like he can run he can run and yeah, yeah opportunistic. I think that Andrew Luck wasn't necessarily. I mean, he was an opportunist too about the way that he would steal a base, and I think that Joe Burrow certainly has that that stealing base mentality. Um, Anyway, my point about Ritter is that if he were to enter the draft, it would be interesting because he would add an element that I don't think is is very prevalent among the top tier, which is real sort of this sort of real running ability. Because um, if you look at what he does for Cincinnati, he is a major part of the ground game in Cincinnati, um, and he he runs for you know a whole lot of yards. I think in the last two years, I think he's run for something like fourteen hundred or thirteen hundred something like that yards in Cincinnati. And he's also a heck of a passer and a heck of a leader. He was you know he's won I think nineteen games already just in, in two years of starting. I think he's uh, like eight and one this year and was eleven and two last year. Um, and they and he has really good, you know, passing production, passing efficiency. He's a very good passer. He reminds me a lot of Andrew Luck. So I went on a Twitter rant about him. And um, and as a result of that, I guess, uh, you know, Desmond's family has, has noticed. So actually that happens quite a bit, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> really, it does. Uh, yeah, and you get it all the time. Like, you get especially it's not so much somebody following you sometimes it is i i know easton sticks family was like all following me um last draft season but um sometimes you also get them like chirping back when you say something negative yeah like the like uh, uh trey watson remember this, this mm-hmm. uh, he was taking issue with our but that wasn't his family that was trey himself yeah, that, was like, him. that was him himself taking yeah. issue with uh the 40 time that we had reported we corrected it though, you know. Yeah, we did. You know, well, you know, we were pretty good about that. Okay, now, you know, most of Dolphin Twitter, I guess, you know, not much is happening. Uh, in other words, okay, not much is happening where this is making news. But in today's uh, press press conference, Brian Flores was talking about Nick Needham and the need to, maybe not the need, but he would prefer if Nick Needham would spend a little bit more uh, time on film and doing other things other than social media. He was basically making a, uh, making commentary on how you could better spend your time on other things other than social media. And Safed Dean of the South Florida Sun Sentinel uh, giggled a bit and then I guess took issue with it and had a little back and forth and you all have heard the sound. What did you make of that sound, Chris? It was Exactly like the scene in Goodfellas, pretty much, with with Joe Pesci, like like funny, like that's funny to you? Funny like how? Funny like I'm a clown? Like, <laughs> like am I'm, I here to am I here to amuse you? Um yeah, that's that's basically exactly how Flores played it out. And I think Flores does this. I think he's um I think he, he likes to provoke like 
he has these planned provocations. I, he remember he did it all that that time ago with Kenny Stills with the the Jay Z thing and or was it Jay Z? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was yeah, it, like he he has these like sort of provocations that he likes to do, and I don't know if he means a whole lot by them, but he's he definitely likes to stir it up. And he 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 went after Safford definitely uh, in this press conference. Um, but uh, he was like, "Funny? Well, why is that funny? Tell me why is it funny?" <laughs> yeah, and then he abruptly, found something funny, Safford. <laughs> yeah, and then he abruptly ended the, mm. the press conference. Yeah, when Safford explained, and he did his best to to explain, he's like, you know, hey, a couple of weeks ago, um, Shaq Calhoun sort of you know, volunteer, volunteered this up talking about this issue. And, and so I think it's, it's, it's great that you're, um, you're, you know, telling the guys this message and stuff like that. And he's like, and that's funny to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And then he's like, all right, we're done here. <laughs> yeah. It could have been his excuse to get out of it early. I mean, I, I can imagine I'd get tired of being in front of the media. So. Yeah. I guess, but I will say, I will say this. I've noticed all throughout this season, I would say, and since camp, a little bit of familiarity with, uh, with this coach mm-hmm. and uh, some of the beat guys, not this, not to say that, that they're crossing boundaries, but they don't have a good feel for, for Brian Flores and what he considers inbounds. And I would say that one thing that he does not consider inbounds is anybody questioning how he handles the younger guys on this team. Because that's already twice in two weeks where something happens because somebody is essentially asking questions about how he handles a guy who's younger on, on the team. So I don't know. I don't know if it's disrespectful. Today, uh, he was on Mark, um, talking about Safadini, was on Mark Hockman and Channing Crowder show. And he was asked, do you think that that was disrespectful? And he says that he, that he doesn't think it was disrespectful, that he's there to ask hard questions, that he's there to challenge flow, as he, as he called them, which I, don't, I have an issue with that too. But although you told me that most of the players call him flow, although I've never heard it. So I don't know. It, do you sense like, a, like, this, like the media or main, mainly the, the, the beat guys have – I wouldn't say have it out for Brian Flores, but have been challenging him a bit the last few weeks. I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. Um, it's just not my sense of it. I think that Flores himself is a very strict. I mean, he wants he wants people to be. He has his rules about showing up on time, and you know including the media and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's, he's a very uh, regimented guy. Um, and I just think that he likes to needle sometimes. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if it was, it was that big of a deal. And I don't, I don't know if I sense the media are like getting too familiar with him or getting too, or, or presuming, you know, with him um, presumptuous. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I think they're criticizing and I think that they, should criticize in a two and seven year um normally you'd be looking at a two and seven year and you'd be trying to figure out what's gone wrong you know what oh my god why are you so bad and uh and this year the the script has been kind of flipped because 
everybody expected 0-16 because the front office assets stripped the organization um, from a player standpoint, went in with probably the cheapest roster in NFL history, um, you know, relative to, to peers. And uh, and traded away their best players and are still trading away their best players and uh, and and so we're all like under this tank thing and because of that they flipped it it's like now they're winning they win two games and we're like oh my god your guys are amazing because you won two games <laughs> yeah um and and so I, I don't know I I think that some some perspective is in order uh, you've been they've been a pretty bad team we want we want to figure out why that is and why why you're not really giving the season ticket holders their money's worth because they're not um so you know that it's fair it's fair to be a little bit challenging to the to the coach in this environment or in this season with the way things are going uh, so i i don't i don't know i i didn't see too much of an issue i know safford's a good a good dude too yeah, I agree. And Omar was on on Twitter uh, earlier yesterday, and he was saying if they're gonna screw up, and these are his words, if they're gonna screw up the tank for Tua, then this is about winning now. So now we're gonna treat him, we're gonna hold him to a different standard now for the rest mm-hmm. of the year, and it's gonna be about winning. So I don't know. I, I I just sense a little uneasiness with with this coach and the way he handles things. But it it is the the Patriot way. Like these people are very regimented as far as how they handle the media. Everything's on time, in, out, 20 minutes for the press conference, and that's it, not a second more. If you're not there on time, when the coach walks in, they lock you out of the room. I've told you about that before. Yep. So, yeah, these people, don't, you know, they don't, they don't care about, you know, what you think you're entitled to as far as the media. Like, they're going to give you what they're going to give you and not much more. But, yeah, if – if it's going to be about winning, I tend to agree with Omar Kelly. If it's going to be about winning now and you're going to start preaching about winning, then it's time to start holding you to those standards. Well, let's be fair. They've been preaching about winning the whole time. It's just yeah. a matter of like – We just didn't believe they were such a, They were such an, an embarrassing team for the first four games of the season yes. that, that they – you know, we just didn't believe them. And we thought, you know, yeah, tongue-in-cheek – yeah, you really want to win um, and until that fifth game against the Redskins when all of a sudden Brian Flores tosses in Ryan Fitzpatrick in the fourth quarter and he damn near wins the game. And then it's like, whoa, maybe you are serious about winning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, – I think Omar actually has a point with respect to – He's trying to keep the season in perspective and say, you know, you guys are all – and, and we fall in this trap too. We, you know, we're going gaga over them because they won two games and they're two and seven. I, Omar watched and we all watched 2008 when Tony Sperano took a, a one and 15 team mm-hmm. and turned them into an 11 and five team. Okay. Yes. And, and it's not like that team was a really expensive team either, you know, full of talent or anything like that. So, But they were um, good. They were, they were, they were, they were good. I know a lot of people. It's, it's popular to say that that team was, you know, a phony baloney, you know, you know, a paper mache type of team. No, no, that team was was actually pretty good. When you have an MVP candidate and you have two running backs combined for twenty three hundred yards, and you have a top five pass defense, that team's good. They yeah, but I mean, the, the quarterback a lot better than them. 
<laughs> the quarterback that we got was – I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick came in this year a lot like Chad Pennington came in in 2008. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, heading in – I mean, hindsight is 2020, of course, and Chad Pennington had such a good year, you'd be like, oh, you had Chad Pennington. But the way he came in, unheralded, booted by the Jets because, you know, they didn't want him anymore um, – his his stock was no higher really than Ryan Fitzpatrick's as he came into the Miami Dolphins this Absolutely. year, and and so yeah, I, I, there was some some talent there. I think the primary difference between this team and that team is that um, what talent that we did have we booted off the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we traded we traded Laramie Tunsil, you know, we traded Minka Fitzpatrick, um, we traded Kenyon Drake now. Uh, we didn't trade Xavier Howard, but you know we basically have shut down Rashad Jones for most of the year, and and you know a lot of other players they've they've shot uh, shut down or traded away and stuff like that. I don't know that the 2008 team really did all that. They they didn't they didn't try to trade away all their guys. They didn't churn the roster 25 percent, you know, right on the eve of the season, and then keep doing it week after week. You know, starting guys that they just picked up off the street um so there are some differences but yeah i mean hey they still went 11 and 5 you know and that's that's an impressive feat so we're gonna like hail the current coaches and the current team for going two and seven i you know let let's take a step back and look at it as if we were students of history <laughs> and, and say you know well you know how impressive is that really do are we getting caught up in the moment Maybe, but we also have to see what's going to come because the week-to-week improvement has been so, you know, clear um, throughout the season that you can't wait to see what what's next. Even though, you you know, all of us want that top pick. We know we're not going to get it at this point, but, I mean, all of us wanted that top pick. But now they've, they've see, you've seen that improvement week-to-week. You're kind of like, well – kind of wanting to see what's next and i am against the bills this week i mean we'll get and talk about that a little bit i i can't wait to see what's next all right which brings us to this weekend dolphins already played the bills they lost but the game kind of went south on them late in the game it was one of the better games that they played against a good opponent i don't remember the last time that even a good dolphin team went into buffalo and handled Buffalo, but this one was handling Buffalo for almost three quarters. Now they got them at home. Are we really in danger of winning three in a row here, Chris? I, th- I think absolutely. I think oh, absolutely. Jesus. You look you look at the uh, the improvement. The first off, the fact that they could rattle off two in a row does something. Yeah. Um, because they're. I mean, you, you see it all the time. You see teams that they get a win. They they can't really follow it up. They take a step back. Um, and that's that's pretty normal, actually, in the in the football landscape. Uh, the fact that they could string together two two really good performances in a row um, that says something, and it means. And if they can string together two, then they can string together three. And so I think that you do have to watch out because now that now it's going to be about coming up with an answer for Josh Allen scrambling um, and. I think that they have better answers. I think that last time around, you know, remember they were leading that game against the Bills for a mm-hmm. lot of it. And then some some things happened, you know, 
Miami, it really all started to come undone when Miami was right on the goal line, if you remember. And then Jordan Phillips came busting through and, um, and tackled the runner for a big loss. Uh, it wasn't a sack, I don't think. I think it was a, a tackle for a loss. Mm-hmm. And then the very next play, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws his pick. Um, and it, yeah. it all came undone after that. Anyway, the point is that we're fighting back in that game, as you were saying. Like, the, it wasn't just – it wasn't just like, you know, the scene in, um, in Dazed and Confused when the, you know, the geeky dude just punches the guy and then tries to play defense for the rest of the time. Um, he, they, they punched the, the Bills. They got out in front. Uh, and then the Bills punched back, and then Miami punched back, and they were actually trying to, to come back into it. So I think that that's, that's a game. That's a nice game. They gamed them, uh, and that was in Buffalo. So now they're going to be at home. If they get into some kind of slugfest, it's going to be low scoring. The defense is exactly what's getting better week to week. Did you know that this team is one of the top three in the NFL at, um, at you know not missing tackles? I mean, that's – that's yeah. that's this defense. They're they're top three in the NFL in missed tackle percentage, and you know, in the in the good way. They're top five in the NFL. The defense is top five in the NFL in um in you know penalties per snap on uh, on the defensive side. Um, they're they don't kill themselves on defense, and they're getting better at that. So. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo could easily kill them. So they got Josh Allen, a quarterback. He, he could throw off a couple of errant passes. Yeah. They, if they find an answer to his running, that might put pressure on him. And they're going to be at home. Yeah, I really think they could win their third in a row. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting that sense too. Although, I'm going to try to stay in character and say that the Bills have enough. But, you know, the Jets had enough. And the Colts sure had enough because I thought the Colts' offensive line and Marlon Mack was enough to win a game against us because I didn't think Should we could score. But they didn't. I thought they score. got dumb. <laughs> I yeah. thought they got dumb. They didn't know how to. It seemed like they didn't know how to beat an inferior team. Yeah, they they looked. I don't know. It was strange. And and Hoyer was bad. He was really bad. But it could be that we made him look bad. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's accurate. I think that the Dolphins give them some credit. They had an XFL secondary and they made him look bad. Yeah. Cause just a week earlier, although, you know, it's that you, Ewing theory again, you know, cause uh, Brissette got mm-hmm. hurt and then he Hoyer comes in and Hoyer is really competent. He throws two touchdown passes should have had a third that was called back against the Steelers. And we've seen how good the Steelers are since then. Yep. So, you know, so maybe he surprised Pittsburgh and then this is the real Hoyer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we got well, the real. We got to prepare for Brian Hoyer, and that's what we did. And if you want to know how the defense is doing, what they're doing, then I think it's it's that because they've you know clearly not got a lot of talent on the field. It, it's I would say this. It's one um, up front. Vince Beagle has been an absolute revelation. Uh, his he is top. I I brought this up on Twitter. He is top 10 in the NFL among all edge rushers, defensive end or outside linebacker in pressure rate, uh, pressures per pass rush snap. Um, and, and the other guys up there, I mean, if you read down that list, he's in, he's in some pretty great company. So it's not like a bunch of uh, nobodies show up in that list all of a sudden. It's not, it's not a random stat. This is a very clean stat as far as identifying good players. Um, so he's been a revelation. That's been good. 
they don't miss tackles. They don't get penalties. And then they make aggressive use of extra defensive backs the way that the Patriots always have, you know, with Brian Flores and his experience there. And, and that can cover up some of your lack of talent in the secondary because you just have more speed and more, more coverage out there to begin with. So that's the formula, and they're getting better and better and better at it. And so I, I think that that's something to pay attention to as they get through the year because if they shut down this Bills offense and turn it into a slugfest that they can win at home, then you know it's, it really is something. It's a, it's a phenomenon, and, um, and we're just going to have to see where it goes by the end of the year and then take whatever pick we end up with. Yeah, unfortunately. All mm-hmm. right, it's time to, to make the picks. I'm going to stay in the character. I wanted to pick them uh, to lose again. And I said they would, only, they would only win the Cincinnati game, so I'm going to stick to that, okay? I'm not going to change my mind here. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that the Bills find it within themselves to beat the Dolphins, and they beat them 16-14 mm. in a slugfest. You, Chris? I'm I'm a little bit torn on this one, you know. Um, can't believe they they managed to, you know, eke it out against the the Colts last week. Still can't believe that. Um, yeah, I guess I I guess I do feel like they're gonna win this one. They're gonna end up winning like sixteen thirteen or something like that. Wow. Yeah, it's it's insane that this Dolphin team manages to beat the Colts, and last year's Dolphin team plays a showdown game against the Colts. And blows a fourteen-point lead with seven minutes left. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is it safe to say case. on the way out? On the way out, Chris, is it safe to say last year's defense? Okay, because mm-hmm. however you slice, no, no matter how you slice it, yes, the offense was absolutely incompetent down the stretch, but our defense was the one that gave up two touchdowns in the last seven minutes and then gave up a field goal to mm-hmm. lose the game against the, the Colts. Okay, a showdown game. The Dolphins win that game. Who knows? They might make the playoffs last year. Is it safe to say you replace that defense last year and replace it with this year's defense? Oh, right. Do the Dolphins win that game last year? Are you talking about against the Colts? Against the Colts. Against Andrew Luck and the Colts. Well, remember, I mean, so we're talking about the Colts, but the meltdown was in the final three games, right? Yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Buffalo. Right. Yeah, but that game, that game was scoring points. That game started really the meltdown because that was a showdown game. It was basically a loser go home game. Yeah, but we won two more games after that. We won, we won the Buffalo game, and then we had the miracle in Miami. Uh, so we we actually went two and zero after that that Colts. Um, and and that was that was a tough tough loss, no doubt. But um, but I I, th- I wonder because. They did go ahead and win two more games, and the real meltdown started in Minnesota. I mean, they just they beat the crap out of us, like we didn't even belong on the field, and and we didn't, and um and then the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, did the same thing, although it was more of a a defensive battle there, and then uh, and then the Buffalo Bills just whooped us, you know, in the in week seventeen. So I, I, if we had this defense last year. It would have been different mainly because this defense has been constantly ascending every single week and getting better and better. I mean, this is – I brought this up on Twitter as well. This is the hallmark of the Patriots, not just that the team gets better through December, 
which we know about. It's that specifically the offense, if you look at the offense and special teams, they're doing about the same thing all year. All right. There's no bias like toward the end of the season or the beginning of the season on offense or defense for New England. What gets better for the Patriots, the reason they as a team get better uh, in the, you know, November and on into December is specifically the defense. And that's what's happening in Miami. And so it makes you pay attention to that. If, if that happened to Miami last year, then absolutely that, that seven and nine team would have been a playoff team. I mean, and, and Adam Gase would have found ways to score specifically at home and they would have, you know, one taken care of all their business at home and, um, and maybe have stolen a couple of road games because the defense showed up at the end of the year, you know, yeah. specifically that Colts game, you know, or the bills game at the finish of the year. So who knows? Yeah. Well, I wonder where this is going to end, but hopefully it ends soon as far as this, this win streak because <laughs> you want to get the season over. Yes. I, I want to just get the season over with. I was looking at I've got seven got, more games, seven yeah, more bowls. I'm trying to, to I'm trying to, I'm trying to get, get my, my hotel in order, our suite together, the three YPC suite mm-hmm. where we're, we're going to broadcast from Las Vegas for, for that week. And it's already it, dolphin fans are pretty excited about it. Cause I got, a, I got a few stats for you. All right. 85% occupancy already for that weekend, okay? Now, guess out of all the NFL cities, guess which city, and this is only American Airlines stats, guess which city is the only one that has sellout flights on the Wednesday and the Thursday of that week, which is the 22nd and the 23rd. You've already got flights? You're going to have to in like in a week if you live in this city that I mentioned, Shit. which is, of course... Miami, if I mentioned oh, Well, it better not be Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I think Tampa, should, you should be okay. Because it's, you know, I don't know how many Buccaneer fans are, are going to Las Vegas for the draft. All right. I'm going to have to get on Southwest and <laughs> get my points in order and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, it's already 85% occupancy. So, yeah, this is a pretty wow. hot ticket for April. But the evidence is dolphin fans are actually getting our by booking flights to go to las vegas for this week hopefully it's not a complete disappointment all right that's it there's no more this was a snack size version a vegan version okay of three yards per carry we hope to talk to you again next week and i don't even know if you know we're rooting for a winning streak or not but you know let's just hope the players stay healthy how's that talk to you guys next week Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.